to another episode of your day, week, month, year reviews. I'm your host, Arjuna Gonzalez, and this is my week episode for my review of Tacoma. Okay, Steam says that I've been playing Tacoma for 13 hours. Uh, when I recorded the day episode, I think I had four or five hours down, so I've played it for eight hours over the past week. I didn't play it much for a few days after the day episode. I kind of cranked through it uh, on May 6th and May 7th for those last eight. So I love the immersive sim school of game design fought of which Tacoma and the Fulbright games are an offshoot of. I would say that Fulbright's games are not my favorite favorite examples. And, you know, part of the reason Deus Ex is one of my favorite games is because it was a pretty cool stealth game, in addition to having all of these immersive sim elements where you piece together a story that touches on some important real-world themes. And without that extra video gamey gameplay on top of them, it does become kind of a trudge after the first two hours. I admit, before I started playing Tacoma, I did watch Jim Sterling's review of the game, and he made a point of about how a lot of games in this sort of walking simulator genre have a hard time competing with uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, because that game, supposedly, I haven't played it yet, really made the statement in a big way that walking sims don't just have to be about walking and, like, being the cameraman for other people's action. Now, I can't say much about that game because I haven't played it yet, sure, but he does say, and I agree in the case of Tacoma, that without those extra elements on top of the exploration and the poking around into other people's papers and being ridiculously nosy, um, it does feel like you're watching a movie for four or five hours or reading a book for four or five hours. Um, it would, it would have to be a really good movie for me to watch it for five hours, and I, I have read books for that long, but it's gotta be a really good book, and Tacoma is a good game, but it did begin to feel like enough of a trudge that I was cranking through it for those last eight hours. Um, so the remainder of this review is going to be my comments on, like, the last bit of the game that I couldn't get to before recording the day episode, and then mostly my thoughts on the creator commentary, which you can start a new game even from the start. You don't even have to complete it first. With all these little Fulbright icons scattered throughout the environment that you can play and hear all sorts of cool behind-the-scenes stuff from the creators, which is really cool for me as a game developer. So first off, I said this on Twitter, but yeah, I did find an 0451 lock at the end of the game, which I won't spoil it, but it's very well executed. Like, it makes perfect sense for there to be a no 451 lock there, and it's very well done. Okay, now that that correction's out of the way, let's talk about the creator commentary. Um, in the first section, like the observation or administrative section, there's a, I don't know, what would you call it? Hey, 
I'm working on a game where there's toilets that play podcast clips. So since Tacoma is something close to that, let's call the creator commentary objects toilets. There's a toilet near the elevator shaft called Physically Made Objects, <laughs> where Kate Craig, one of the environment artists, and Carlos Zamonja, one of the writers, talk about how there's these like paper signs uh, up are on the walls in different parts of the space station because there's this like special holiday coming up called obsolescence day which is explained in the story and they said in the commentaries that they actually made and scanned in several paper items that show up in the game and this is the second time they've done that they did this for gone home too because it gives them a unique look that you can't necessarily get through other game asset creation means. And that was really cool to know, because when I looked at it, I thought, yeah, it does really stand out. So it's cool to hear things like that, uh, mostly for the very selfish reason of, I can then sort of Xerox your playbook here and use them for my own purposes. <laughs> and also there's a quote at the end of that toilet that's, uh, where Kate Craig says, it feels like a rite of passage because I put a bloody handprint in a video game. Yes. I'm going to have to do that in Thoughts from the Level Editor sometime. Uh, yeah, also in the observation area, there's um, there's a dartboard in this lounge room. And uh, I think Tynan Wales, one of the level designers, was talking about how there's all sorts of potential glitches that they had to take into account when making it. Because the dartboard is inside this like cabinet, and inside the cabinet are the darts. And he was talking about all of these potential glitches and edge cases that can happen when you're like taking out darts and putting them back in as the doors open and close. And the exasperation that was uh, in his voice there, uh, it's a very big mood. Um, not trying to be condescending towards non-technical people, but it's sometimes hard to explain how something as simple as like a toilet that plays podcast clips can get extremely tricky, and there are weird bugs that can pop up for something as simple as you lower the seat and it rewinds or you plunge it to fast forward. Um... Yup, there's a toilet in Clive's office, and it's Steve Gaynor and Carla Zamanja talking about this portrait of a lunar vacation resort. I forget what it's called, but they were talking about it in the history behind that shot. And apparently, it was something kind of like a concept sketch of an earlier version of the Tacoma Station. And so the idea was, instead of this, like very sort of maintenance-oriented or, like, shipping-focused space station that we got in the final game. It was an orbital vacation getaway, but they decided that, like, having these big, opulent public spaces doesn't necessarily tell you a, a whole lot about the people who live in them. You kind of have to go into their offices and read their real or electronic papers on their computers in order to get that story, which makes perfect sense. And what I would add to that is, when I first saw that screenshot, it looked like something photoshopped from Bioshock 1 or 2. And I'm glad that they made that design decision because it does a lot to distinguish Tacoma as its own thing rather than some kind of, you know, Bioshock 2 DLC in space with no monsters to shoot. Much later in the game when we get to the engineering section, the mechanical engineering section specifically, uh, there's some sort of like power cell area in there and a bunch of boxes of beer. And there's a toilet where Carla Zamonja is talking about how she named a beer 
she designed a lot of the products that show up in the game. Um, but she's talking about how she named a beer after one of the level designer's kids and put stuff on it like one of his tweets as kind of a prank or something. So, hey, Evan, you're listening to this, right? You said you've listened to a bunch of your Day, Week, Month, Year review episodes. I think Fox from the level editor is going to have to have an alabaster ale. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to prank you like Carla did Tynan, but I, I'm thinking that's going to have to happen. Um, I guess Handsome Harry, yeah, Handsome Harry is not going to have fried chicken. <laughs> um, maybe Handsome Harry salad. Anyway, so around that same part in the game, there's a toilet titled Level Design and Realism, where Nina Freeman talks about the design of the different wings of the space station and how the personal quarters of the crew members who work in those sections are, like, tucked away in the back from where most of the equipment and such is, and the rooms are usually at a different elevation from where the main hub of the section is and all of the different you know working rooms that branch off from it so that they have a sense of personal space and it doesn't feel like these crew members live in their offices which makes perfect design sense i get it but at the same time in the fiction that steve and carla have created in some of their other toilets where they talk about how venturus the company that runs the space station doesn't really give a whole much of a crap about the well-being and living conditions of their crew members like they you know ship up these crappy personal goods and crossword puzzles and stuff and like they imagine that the contracts for these goods that get shipped up to the space stations they're like government contracts their words uh where the subcontractors are like yeah sure here's toilet seats or whatever you know they don't have to work on it or put much quality into it like is that placement of personal quarters more design thinking than would make sense for a company like venturis and yet it does help that the personal stuff isn't crammed in with their office space speaking as a player moving through these spaces like for example you know the mural and the bookshelves and all the other items in bert's slash nat's personal quarters would feel like a lot more to take in if it were all in the same space on top of the things that are, you know, in their offices. So expand the space, says the level designer voice in my head. I don't know. It works. I'm glad that Nina and the level designers at Fulbright made those decisions. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, speaking of Bert and Nat's quarters, there's an object in there that they have a toilet about, uh, and in the audio for it, Nina says, Many things in Tacoma came from office jokes that became serious. And I think Kate Craig says, Serious is in quotes. That that was relatable for me because, like, a lot of game development ideas that I get, they do start out as jokes and then become serious over time. Why do you think I have a weed shop and a Doom map? On a similar note, in the network security section um, in Nat's personal quarters, which is really just being used as storage because Nat and Bert are a married couple in this fiction, Carla Zamanja is talking about the design of product labels in the game, and she says, uh, My only real secret is to research the hell out of it. Just look up everything you can find that is in that space as a product and try to distill the main concepts into something that you can make happen. And now, me thinking about that, yes, that 
definitely has happened in my level design and game development work. Um, in the unreleased second map of the Rending of Sayatakwa, there's a whole restaurant there that's modeled on a popular restaurant franchise on the east coast of the U.S. It'll be pretty clear to you which one because I researched uh, its history and the way those restaurants are laid out and some of the thinking behind it. And you can see a similar approach, I would argue, in Eldritch Product, the weed store as well. Two, like, UI UX complaints about this game. First, on the creator commentary toilets, it would be nice if there was a fast-forward or rewind on them. I assume the code is there to do that because you can fast-forward and rewind the AR scenes, so I'm a little confused as to why it's not there. Maybe they just decided that those clips are so short that it wouldn't make it sense, but I don't know. Uh, and also, it would be nice to have an option to save and continue rather than save and quit, so I don't have to go all the way back to the main menu in order to save, just to nitpick. Also in that same area, there's a toilet where Nina Freeman, Carla Zamanja, and Steve Gaynor, I think, talk about the creation of One Vein, which is a fictional K-pop boy band that we hear uh, in the shower area because Nat is a big fan of theirs and she's listening to them while taking a shower. And they're talking about the design and creation process of that boy band. And I think Steve Gaynor talks about how, yeah, well, most boy bands have sort of an archetype for each member. So there are three members, Marcus, Vaney, Johnny, and Wizard Marcus. And in the fiction, it's like there's one artist who's using AR to create these other personas. And so, like, Marcus is the all-purpose boy, Vaney Johnny is the sporty guy, and Wizard Marcus is a wizard. And apparently, when they recorded this uh, song to play in the shower area, they had an intern who sang, like, three different voices for it, and... You know, when I came up with using my voices for the Robo Gonzalez 9001 or the Teenage Arjuna voice that you might hear in the new RPG Golden Years intro, I never thought of turning them into boy band archetypes. And really, I want it that way. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why. Joe Biden censoring nipples. I want it that way. Alright, I should probably end the episode here, but... Uh, there's one last toilet I want to talk about, and it's very close to the end of the game, and it's called Building the Cryopods. I, I don't want to spoil it, but if you play the game and you play it with the creator commentary, just be sure not to miss that one, because it is excellent. Alright, um, that's all I have to say about Tacoma. Um, I don't think a month episode makes a whole lot of sense. I think I've seen just about everything there is to see in it. I think the next game is going to be Edge of Eternity. Uh, there was some discussion within our Discord about Elder Scrolls Morrowind. I'm just going to have to think about it, maybe talk with some other people in the network about the idea, but I think I'm strongly leaning towards Edge of Eternity next.
So thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Uh, if you're interested in Probably Jam, which is the game jam that the We Can Make This Work Probably Network is organizing, the start date has passed, but there's still plenty of time for you to join and make something cool. It runs until June 9th, so get on that. The link is in the description. And until next time, this is Arjuna Gonzalez. Watch for toilets. been a presentation of the we can make this work probably network follow us on twitter at probably work for more of our questionable content also we have a website called probablywork.com do you like video games ever thought about making a video game do you find that a week or two weeks is kind of short for a game jam well have i got the game jam for you with the we can make this work probably game jam we have nine themes. You can choose one for your game. Each theme is taken from one of our nine podcasts. The jam runs from April 20th to June 9th to provide a nice amount of time for you to make something cool. Check out the link in the description for more information and to figure out how to join and submit. Have fun!